Welcome to the State of the Theory podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm in India. And we are your theory doctors. Welcome back. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hope you're all well. Uh, how are you, Hannah? Yeah, I'm fine. I am the same as I was last week. Everything is always the same. Nothing ever changes anymore. It's true. It's true. Um, we are continuing our refusal to engage with any of the important, serious, depressing things that are happening in the world. And so yep. this is another pop culture episode. Uh, what are we talking about today, Hannah? Today we're talking about uh, Indian matchmaking. Not the practice, but the Netflix series. Uh, this show, according to Netflix, I have the website up and I have the blurb here. Indian matchmaking. Matchmaker Seema Taparia guides clients in the U.S. and India in the arranged marriage process, offering an inside look at the custom in a modern era. This show appeared on Netflix recently. It has appeared in various guises on both of our kind of social media feeds, which of course is a super scientific and totally representative sample. Uh, we... <laughs> We've been on the hunt for things to talk about, and this is not a show that either of us would just turn on, but it showed up enough that we decided we would uh, sample it and talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, so we, we discussed talking about it, we discussed doing a podcast about it, and then you started watching it before I did, and going by your messages to me, you got very excited about it. As a, in a sort of exploitative way. Yeah. Do you want to tell me your, your individual personal response? My individual response. So the, I'm really fascinated by dating reality TV shows. Um, I find them really difficult to watch, but also it's car crash TV to me. But I also know that other people watch them for different reasons. Everyone sort of, I think, conceptualizes it as junk TV or as guilty pleasure TV, but people get different things out of watching dating shows. So I recognize that I'm not necessarily representative of everyone's approach to these shows. But to me, it was, it immediately was obvious that this is a show that's like The Bachelor or um, if, you've, if you've lived in Britain at all and spent any time watching live terrestrial television on Saturday night, um, the weird show Take Me Out. Um, have you seen Take Me Out? No. No. Oh, it's a ridiculous show. But it, And it's really different. It's a live studio audience. It's kind of game showy rather than um, like pseudo documentary like uh, Indian matchmaking is. Britain does, Britain's version of this is a pseudo game show. So back in the day, there was Blind Date. Um, yep. And th- there have been other versions of it, but it has been more yeah. more game show as opposed to a, you know, scripted but apparently naturalistic reality TV show. Yeah, well, and even like Love Island, yeah. which is a bit Big Brothery, it there are rules. Yeah. There are more rules than there are in The Bachelor yeah. um, or The Bachelorette, which is a kind of the the sort of American equivalent. But this show 
is what's interesting about it is, is when I saw people kind of writing about it or saw it kind of mentioned or whatever, it was, um, it kind of conceptualizes its own thing. Like, Oh, I love Indian matchmaking. You're like, Whoa, this show it's so, but it's, it's addictive. Da, 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 da. Um, but to me, it's just the bachelor dressed up in orientalist clothing. Really. What's also interesting is that they make this matchmaking thing seem, seem fundamentally and inherently exotic, even though there have been basically identical shows on for a decade at least about uh, wealthy Americans, you know, celebrities and, and other kind of socialites in the United States using the services of a wealthy American matchmaker, specifically a white woman. So this is not new TV in any way, shape or form. It completely follows the formula of reality TV shows that, that posit, you know, that these people with all of their flaws and all of their real lives and all of their real families will find their soulmate. That is classic American TV that goes straight back to the nineties. Is the, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking while, while you were talking uh, and you've seen more of this show than I have, but one of the things that stood out to me was the accuracy, and we'll talk about this in more detail, and I absolutely do not mean this as as praise necessarily because I think the show's fundamentally awful, but the accuracy of matchmaking in that it... I'm not sure the show promises a soulmate, or certainly not in the way The Bachelor or something like The Bachelor promises a soulmate. I think the show promises a successful negotiated deal. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Like love isn't really big on the agenda. It is you will meet someone, you you will get on, you'll compromise, and that is what is expected. And that is success. This is why I think the show is really good at what it does. That actually it's for us, obviously it's fundamentally flawed and it's, it's so cringe inducing to watch, but in terms of its formula and what it sets out to do and who it's doing it for is so well-crafted, which is what makes it worth talking about. I think on the podcast, because it translates that you and I can both can read. I read soulmate, you read negotiated deal they are one and the same because what the show is trying to do is show that actually those two things are not so different. If you think about it, because the, a lot of the families, most of the families represented on the show, which I was actually surprised about are not families based in India. They are families based in the United States and they are all the children or grandchildren of immigrants. The, the, the people being matched themselves grew up in the United States. I found this actually quite surprising given what I had read about it and given its, its um, name, Indian matchmaking. I thought it was going to be like voyeuristic kind of pseudo documentary TV that was exploitative of families in India. So I was a little bit surprised. So, because, but it does this really fascinating thing where if you are watching from uh, a mainstream, and I don't just mean white, but I mean white, inflected, white-inspired baseline sort of 
white mainstream. Um, but obviously the show is pitched at Americans who aren't white um, as well. But if you're watching from that perspective, what you see is a kind of millennial approach to soulmate, which is life partner, companion, not romantic love in the kind of Disney sense, which has been, you know, I think millennials pride themselves on the fact that they think a bit more critically about that, that they take life partnerships more seriously, that when they go out to find someone, they want someone who will be the father of their children. They want someone who will be, um, you know, an equal life partner who will share in, you know, career goals and, and travel and, you know, social life. So there's a, the show is, is preying on something or it's tapping into where those, these two things overlap, the, the more business deal contractual nature of a traditional arranged marriage, a, a bringing together, emerging of two families, their assets and their social capital. And this partnership between two people as one of long lasting, sustainable companionship. It is remarkably clever, which is given that it's so inane <laughs> and, and produced and edited. So it's, it's a really strange thing. Yeah. So my, my introduction to it was through my social media uh, world before I'd, knew of it or or certainly before I watched it and one of the first things I saw was a a thing that has sort of become a meme which is one of the first conversations you see in the first episode between the matchmaker you know Seema auntie and we we can talk more about the sort of auntie figure that persona that she adopts but she is meeting a family who have a son who who they're looking for a, a, a match for and they, she's talking to the mother who's, who's, uh, who's discussing the kind of daughter-in-law she wants. And the line, and this is the bit that has, that has become a meme, which is, quote, the main concern for me is that the girl has to be a bit flexible. Um, and this was, has rightly been pointed out as, as symbolic of the kind of misogyny that, that underpins the matchmaking industry. Uh, along with uh, uh, racism, casteism, classism, and a whole host of other prejudices. Uh, And most of my social media network uh, who have commented on it, and many people have, uh, have commented on on the awfulness of it. Um, What has been interesting from my perspective is that all of this awfulness I could have predicted without watching any of it. Because it's... It's as I mean, it's not new, and it's certainly not. It's it's not a it. The the picture it paints of this world is is a world that I'm familiar enough with to know what to expect, and what I was expecting was precisely what I got. Right, a group of people who are incredibly uns, or at least that's how they're presented, and we can discuss that that difference in a second. But a group of people who are presented as incredibly unconscious of their privilege, incredibly unconscious of their prejudices, which are connected to their privilege, um, and 
together they are taking part in and therefore reinforcing and sustaining a world that is constructed entirely through these prejudices, which allow them their their position of privilege, right? So the the Indian families that you see, and certainly the there's a a, a montage in the first episode of you know the the stereotypical Indian wedding. Uh, these Indian families are super wealthy. You have to be to to be able to afford the services of this woman. India is being defined here as Hindu, as casteist, as rich. As predominantly northern, southern India doesn't get much of a look in, and certainly none of the regions, provinces, to use the use uh, use that term, get get much of a look in either. This is a uh, 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 northern Indian Hindu world. Uh, one way to describe it might be to use the word Marwari. These are this is a uh, and and that's a. a, a Word describes a, a particular community from 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 northern India, typically a business community, and this is a community that is associated with wealth and privilege, and there are deep deep problems with the way other communities see the Marwari community, and and that is that is true, but it's it's sort of uh, outside our scope. But this is for for those of you who know these Bollywood films, this is. This is Kabi Kushi Kabi Gam. These are this is the the world of India that that has been constructed over decades of Bollywood films for an Indian audience and perhaps more, even more importantly for a diasporic Indian audience um, of India as Hindu, as rich, as as wealthy, and of course all of those things are true, right? It, it, it's the, the 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 prejudice and violence that is being depicted is absolutely exists which begs the question for me why is anyone surprised about this why yeah. why has this been such a a, a a a vehicle of outrage yeah well i mean and and i think if you know anything about american uh, reality TV shows that are beyond dating that are really about kind of marriage or life partnering, like the bachelor you, because those shows have all a, a kind of as many sort of problematic components themselves, but they're, they're American. Um, so they're, they're classist. Um, certainly there's a, there's a preference for, um, certain types of professionals who appear on the show, they're ageist. You can't be older than, you know, 30 or whatever. Um, and, and if you are, you know, the oldest, the oldest woman in the bachelor house is, you know, a storyline, um, race was an issue and, you know, still is, but it's mutated a little bit in terms of how it's an issue. Um, and a lot of uh, heteronormativity as well. So the um, the heteronormativity and the the wedding industrial complex are bound up very much in a show like The Bachelor. So the it, it for us, I mean, obviously these shows are not going to be critical in any way. They're going to actually amplify a lot of those problems, the kind of problematic issues, because 
because their car crashed TV. It's, it's a, to ignore and to ask your audience and to give them the opportunity to ignore all of those problematic things and say, here, we know those things exist. We, you know, you can see them, but for now, just like have a guilty pleasure and watch the show is the format of the show. So what does guilty pleasure consist of then? How does that guilty pleasure work? What, what is pleasurable for the audience? So or what's the intention at least? Yeah. Well, it's a, um, first of all, if there's a, a, a vicariousness, um, a kind of what would I do in this situation? How would I handle this? Um, the drama is produced. It's heavily produced, but it's also quite mundane. It's every day. So it's drama that you recognize. So you, um, you can imagine yourself as, as being the one to deal with it. The, the way that it's produced and edited, it creates uh, really easy trope like characters out of the seemingly real people that are part of the cast. So um, you very easily attach certain um really simplistic one-dimensional tropes to each of the people. And then, and then the show shifts them and turns them on their head. Do you want to um, give an example? Uh, um, in, well, in Indian matchmaking, um, spoilers, just, you know, here's a spoiler alert in case you either were going to watch the show and, you know, don't want to find out what happens. There's a woman named Aparna she is based in Texas. She spent most of her life in Texas. It's basically where she grew up in Houston. And um, she is the daughter of a single mom, but you don't learn that until like episode four, maybe even episode five. Um, and the, the nature of her family background is one of pain and trauma, but you don't learn that until halfway through the series. All you see for the first multiple episodes in, and what Seema Ante talks about and the way that she's portrayed and her conversations with various potential matches all lead you to this, this fundamental knowledge that she is quite simply completely unwilling to compromise, totally unself-aware. And her standards are, are so beyond high, they're fantastical. And she has absolutely no, no sense of reality about what it means to be in a relationship with someone, what it means to marry someone, what it means to meet people and what it means to share a life with someone. So that, so they create this whole story that she's just awful, basically she's awful. And then it's, it becomes really clear that her mom feeds this awfulness. So her mom is as awful, if not worse. And the pair of them together are just like, and and it's it's basically you just you're like girl you need to change otherwise you're not going to meet someone and then all of a sudden in like episode four or five they drop the bombshell that actually her parents marriage ended in a really awful traumatic way her mom moved as a single mom with two small children to the united states from dubai by herself and managed to raise these two kids who are highly educated and professional and independent So all of a sudden you're like, 
oh, maybe she was raised to be really wary of men and have really high standards because her mom experienced this really traumatic relationship breakdown. Oh, I like her now. So what's really fascinating is I'm not convinced necessarily that A, that is how you're meant to react and B, I'm not convinced necessarily that A, that is how you're meant to react and B, that that is how the world that is being depicted here processes that change because what's fascinating to me is the 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 that rather important crucial aspect of uh of the family that you just described is something that would be hidden for as long as possible because it is it's a negative in in the cards you have to play when you're negotiating for a match right so there are whole whole swathes of your target market if you like in terms of the, the 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 types of families you are looking for a match will not pick you because your parents marriage ended so the reason they just so this is where first of all i think for the white audience or for the kind of american mainstream audience where half of them have divorced parents or divorced themselves right yeah. um that is it serves a different purpose. But the reason they share it is because in the same episode, they introduce a new, for want of a better word, cast member, uh, a new character who immediately, the first bit of the story is that his parents are divorced. That is the, the first bit. And then they edit it so that they set it up so that they could be matched, right? So, yeah. the, so the story is being created so that they could potentially be a match because they both have divorced parents. And because Seema that's all says, you need and, for a match, right? Like, you just yeah, think, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Seema says, totally. And Seema says, she's like, well, it will be very difficult to match him because of his family background. There's also other stuff going on there. Like, I'm sure she's also alluding to other aspects of his family background that will be difficult to match. But he's also based in Texas, right? So the show, the, the mechanics of the show are, this is totally instrumentalized in order to create a, 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 what do I mean? I mean, an an engineered expectation in the audience that first of all, oh, Aparna has a backstory that is painful and explains why she's a bit weird. And, oh, here's a potential match for her all in one go. And it is, if you watch reality shows and if you watch The Bachelor, which I have watched many seasons of The Bachelor, this is a it's a it's a feature of the narrative of storytelling. It 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 also reveals something really interesting and contradictory at the heart of the the central character, right, Seema, who before we turn the machine on, you were asking me what's the difference between Seema and Shadi.com. And for those of you who don't know, Shadi.com is perhaps the biggest name in online matrimonial sites right so which work not in a in a way not dissimilar to online dating sites but a most of the almost everyone on shadi.com will be indian or, or south asian and you are looking for a, a matrimonial match right so you're looking you are looking for a potential spouse 
as opposed to a, a, a partner who you might date and then something else might happen. And the word shoddy means? Wedding. Marriage. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what's fascinating to me is how explicitly, apparently, the persona Seema constructs in the show. I mentioned auntie before. She's the, she's the auntie who has a, has a phone book of contacts, right? So she is, she knows everybody. She knows family X has a daughter who, and they're looking for a match for the daughter and family Y is, is, has a son and, she she knows these families and she can put them together and the fact that this is her profession is almost incidental right that is the the persona so all of the potential husbands and wives all call her auntie um she that is clearly her persona however when it comes to finding people she works in the most algorithmic method possible right so there is another character nadia who's Indian origin, but is from Guyana. And in trying to find a match for her, she goes to presumably the only other person she has on her books who is also Indian origin from Guyana, right? The 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 uh, the ways in which she finds matches is so prescriptive, right? as if that is how people work, it might as well be an algorithm, right? She, You mentioned Aparna before. One of the things that Aparna says when she has her first chat with Seema is that she likes traveling. So Aparna go, uh, Seema goes around and finds someone who also likes traveling and in her in, in his bio data, which is the, the, the CV <laughs> to get married, they, have, they show you a lot, like, you know, three, four it's pages. It's just a resume including a photo and, and your resume and your hobbies and interests and whatever, uh, she finds someone who lists traveling as an as an interest. Now, Apona looks at that and goes, he seems really outdoorsy and I hate the outdoors, right? So that is, that moment screamed to me, well, you are clearly rubbish at your job because <laughs> all you have done is, do you, you haven't done anything that, you know, I couldn't do with, a word find feature, right? You just looked, you, you go, okay, here are all my boys. Let's, let's do a word search in their biodata for the word travel or the word Guyana. And that, that is how you, you match up. Now I'm, I'm perfectly prepared to believe that there is a lot of other legwork that she's doing behind the scenes that isn't demonstrated in the program, but the, the, the way the program, the narrative of the program through its, construction of story through its through the way it sets up drama depicts her job is this fundamental disjunction between a, a, a personalized bespoke service on the one hand where you are clearly paying her a lot of money to travel not least to travel from india to america to find you a match but on the other hand the way she actually does it is in the most algorithmic way possible. She is a, a human personification of an online dating site or an online matrimonial site. But in fact, not even as advanced. <laughs> like in the sense that the, the, the algorithms are, they're very protective of their algorithms, all the different online sites. So um, anecdotally, 
a lot of people I know are now married to people they met on eHarmony. Um, and each, each of the algorithms, Match.com, eHarmony, uh, JDate, Shadi.com, they are really protective of their IP because they've actually spent a lot of time coming up with a way to match people that is more effective in terms of the number of outcomes that are quote unquote successful than family networks or randomness or like your random kind of social world. And in terms of effectiveness, I mean, well, Claire said your partner, your wife said that none of these people get married. She's she's ahead of us both ahead of both of us in terms of how many episodes she's seen. And she she has also Googled ahead. Uh, yeah. And, she, well, and, and none of yes. these people get married. Yes. Uh, well, and it makes sense, right? None, nobody on The Bachelor stays married. Um, you know, that's uh, even if, if they even get that far. Um, so it's not for the, the kind of American audience that isn't unusual at all. I mean, the, 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 a promise fulfilled becomes mundane, right? It's the promise unfulfilled that is exciting and titillating. The... Yeah. If they actually get married, then that's that becomes sort of a kitchen sink drama. Well, it's the end. It's yeah. And the point is not the end. The point is to watch the process and watch it unfold. It's a really um I mean it's it's really strange because my my reaction was it's similar to yours but not in the sense that like oh she must be she's clearly just not very good at her job. My reaction was like I missed a trick here. I should be a millionaire matchmaker. I could totally match busy businessmen in the city with, you know, random women looking for rich husbands. I could totally do that. Well, so I don't know how much you knew about matchmaking before you watched the show. Was there anything about matchmaking that surprised you? Uh, so there's, it, it appears orientalized matchmaking yeah. which is it's all kind of like it's the same but different yeah because there's an orientalized bit so its representation is is definitely orientalized there's a really um a, a really interesting set of representations of of arranged marriage or the attempt to arrange a marriage in disney movies so in aladdin very famously um suitors are brought to the door of the palace and she rejects them all. Jasmine rejects them all. And this is like seen as a, as her exercising um, agency and is empowering. And, and quite famously Aladdin magics himself into an eligible suitor, right? That's the whole point. That's the whole, the whole gist of the movie. Mulan as well. One of the, the very kind of first um, introductions to Mulan's personality and her relationship to every, to all her women relatives and women friends is she goes to visit the matchmaker and it's a total disaster. So it appears a lot in, in Western stories about the East. It's a thing. So it's not, it's not foreign as a, as a concept, also, I think because I studied, I did South Asian studies and have read 
some literature, academic literature, but also um, literary fiction and stuff on arranged marriage. It's less, it's not unfamiliar to me. And particularly what you talk about, the kind of the, the business contract, the negotiation, um, the the partnerships between families that are both economic and social. The, the, that is familiar to me. The really familiar euphemisms, right? So like, a very cultured family. What does cultured yeah. family mean? Well, cultured family means you come from a similar class background to me. Yeah, uh, you know, like so. So, so there, there are all sorts of these these euphemisms uh, uh, where, uh, you know, if you, it's when you describe someone, you know, they they they're very highly educated. Well, it it's it it's only valued if it has led to a job, as it were. Uh, yeah, and 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 so on and so forth. There's the you know, emphasis on 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 the way certain bodies are valued, right? So so color being the obvious one, height as well. That's something that often surprises yeah. surprises people who don't know this this world quite how important things like age and height is. So one of the people that she finds, one of the men that she finds for Aparna is seven years older than she is, and Aparna's like that's a lot. So so yeah. there's uh, the the ways in which you uh again in a very algorithmic process go okay okay so this this woman is you know five nine therefore the man must be at least six foot otherwise it won't be a good match uh what i find really weird about why like uh, why people find that weird because i have more than one friend who has said when dating like oh i could never date him he's too short like that's a thing that white women say all the time and it's it, all of these kind of criteria are are there's there's cognate criteria that are partly the same because of because we're living in a globalized world where where class culture especially is and, and standards of beauty have be. become more and more uniform example yeah, yeah and colonialism is is a, a key part of this process so that that you know lawyer to us we meet in the middle in terms of what that means so we're we're speaking a language that is more similar now than it was 150 years ago so it's not actually that weird to me which is why i think what, what surprised me about it was like this is just a bachelor like th- there is nothing different except for the the nods to and the the kind of quite shallowly applied bits of Indianness and specifically Hinduness. So there's like she goes to visit astrologers, or astrologers come to visit the various people. She sees she goes to visit a face reader, which I think for a, a, an audience that isn't familiar with south asian culture the the face reader thing is like whoa what is this like that's weirder than the than the height thing because that is more difficult to translate um so there's the the kind of the you call it the the kind of background hum of racism like there's the background hum of orientalism which flares up at certain moments to create story or to create atmosphere um but the the actual matchmaking stuff is like this is all the same as as 
uh, I don't know, Bumble or Tinder or eHarmony. Like eHarmony and Match.com are for marriage, for finding a partner. Bumble and Tinder are for finding dates. It's not that different. Yeah. In fact, it's not different at all. I I guess Is the it? I guess the difference certainly between something like eHarmony and Match.com versus Shadi.com and even more explicitly with Indian matchmaking is the family involvement. Yes. That's that's probably yes. the thing that, that that is different in terms of criteria that you are looking for, right? So the and and this is she goes on and on about how this is the two families coming together and the families get more of a say in terms of uh you know the suitability of a particular proposed match. And again, the way in which the editing and production and narrativizing of the of the of the characters is inflected through through particular generational dynamics in terms of narrative right so i mentioned earlier the the mother of the son who says you know the she, she needs her, needs the daughter-in-law to be a bit flexible in that sequence there is one particular moment which was fascinating to both of us and we we read quite differently so she the the matchmaker is having this conversation with the with the mother of of the groom proposed groom and then halfway through the conversation she turns to the, the matchmaker turns to the groom and says what do you think about all of this or what is your opinion about all of this and then there is a good 5 to 10 seconds which seems like ages on tv where the camera just focuses on him and he's not saying anything um in a way that seemed to me so fake right that 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 did that doesn't seem part of a quote unquote natural human conversation how did yeah. you read that moment well so it's it's reality tv editing right we agreed that it's uh it's it was engineered um edited into creation and for a i guess for an audience like me that that moment is a reality TV kind of um, creating a a relationship between the mother and the son that is one of tension and low key antagonism. So it villainizes the mother, and it it accord because according to a lot of kind of tropes of, of romance and love and, and the, the kind of, uh, I guess the sort of um, misguided and inaccurate representations of arranged marriage in India in mainstream Western Europe and, and United States, that there is always a tension between the child and the parent, that intergenerational conflict is central to the process. And that there's always that a, a kind of negotiation that goes on. So that it's the Mulan story, the Jasmine story where, where the child says, you know, well, I don't actually want those things. I, I want something else because I am, you know, modern and enlightened and whatever, whatever. So it creates that assumption, certainly in the mind of the American audience, that this is the son expressing or being unable to express what he actually wants to his mother and that he disagrees with her. 
all from a pause. Yeah. Now I read that pause as this is a good little Indian boy who is happy to leave the decision as to who who he should marry to his mother because his mother knows best and what he really wants is a woman who's very like her mother. Uh there are plenty of people like that. That is not a an unrealistic figure. Yeah. But what was so fake for me was the fact that that wasn't said. Right? That that it it would seem more natural to me for that for instead of instead of having that pause for the boy to just say mother can decide or whatever. Yeah. Uh but I think the the cleverness of the program is to not not have either of those options and either and instead just have a pause where the film the 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 program makers the producers know that this will be read differently in different parts of the world and therefore for a platform like like Netflix which exists across much of the world it will fit into certain preconceptions of of a global audience and therefore will acquire different suitable meanings across the world so that even though it isn't necessarily explicitly created for an indian audience in other words it's not depicting anything that an indian audience won't know it will still be popular in india to the point where it is it is like near the top of of the charts in terms of netflix shows for india people in india are watching it uh some of them are some of them certainly going by my uh my social media feed some of them i hate watching it uh but either way lots and lots of people in india are watching it yeah i mean even if you hate watch it you you still are hate watching it to have the emotional the kind of cathartic yeah. emotional experience and and in terms of you know profits from from making something netflix doesn't care if you hate watch it or or, or not hate watch it <laughs> No, talking of algorithms, I mean it works, you know. Yeah. Certainly works better than Seema's algorithms. <laughs> Jesus. I mean the thing about about the all of these shows is I'm really fascinated by the mechanics of them and I'm fascinated by the popularity of them. I find them really dull. Like they're really boring. And one of the reasons I was I kept watching was because I was like, "Oh, there's more and more stuff in here for us to talk about." on the podcast or like this could be a really interesting bit of storyline for us to critique or, you know, and in a sense it's, it is boring though. Right. Like, do you find it boring? Like beyond the kind of, it's it's boring, but even the offensiveness is boring, right? It's just predictably awful. It's predictably offensive. There is nothing. There is, there is nothing uh unexpected anywhere um i guess one of the things that fascinates me about these these programs specifically this one but also things like bachelor and also there, there's so many i mean I, I don't know if lockdown has created more of these but there's so many uh, you know i think there's one out of australia netflix about marrying a stranger so you 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 oh yeah you, you know you're gonna just get married and it's gonna be a surprise wedding like is <laughs> what I don't understand is why anyone would agree to go on these shows. 
Is, oh, it, is yeah, it a desire sure. for fame? And if, I mean, or is it something else? Is it, that's, that's the bit that I find really odd because I don't think, I, th- I think it is, and anyone who's seen any sh- any of the kind of shows that we're talking about will know that the the job of the producer is not to depict you positively necessarily. You are not necessarily going to be sympathetically dis- depicted, and even if you are, the narr- the the trajectory of the narrative means you're going to be brought down at some point because that's how that's how the narrative works. I why would you want to do this? Why would you want to? be a part of a show like this i mean i've always wondered this i mean i guess so when they sell reality tv shows when they pitch to get cast members they pitch the show very differently from what's intended um i know that that's true um i've never applied to be on a um on a reality show i mean it it's a it's an old genre now yeah you know the real world is old big brother is old um they go back a long time um and and even before that you know game shows where people play games on tv for money are really old um but i don't know i mean i guess probably i would be interested to see how netflix advertised this show to the thing with game shows and uh the reality tv show of the kind of big brother which is in, in many ways different from, from this pattern, is as soon as you have a competition, there's something to win, right? So that, that, bring, that brings an incentive. You are going to win something. Uh, there's nothing to win here. This, it isn't a competition. Is there nothing to win? I mean, what is there to win? Well... They say what there is to win is, is finally finding a partner. Yeah, but you presumably if you can afford to pay Seema, you can do that but not go on the show. So I would imagine a lot of these people didn't, didn't pay her. Yes. Right? They, yeah. they, they Especially the, the families in North America. I suspect that they were targeted with particular types of advertising. It had always been on the radar as like, like you know, this is something that other people, other families do. Yeah. But later on, so there's a guy that gets introduced kind of halfway through and they say specifically, this isn't something that our family has ever done. Yeah. This is something so far removed yeah. from what our family does, which immediately I was like, oh yeah, Netflix totally bought all of this for yeah. all of these people. That these yeah. are not people who would yeah. who would actually have a matchmaker, even though they're represented as people who would bring a matchmaker in. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I a dating show, no way. Yeah. It's weird. Absolutely not. It's weird. Right. Probably a good enough moment to stop. Yeah. Tell us if you've been on a reality TV show. Yeah. We want to hear about it. Yes. Um, thanks for listening. Look after yourselves. Stay safe wherever you are. And... We will chat about something else next week. Bye. Bye.
We hope you enjoyed this episode. I have been Hannah Fitzpatrick. And I have been Anindya Vichaudhvi. You can contact me on Twitter at Dr. H. Fitz. And me at Dr. Anindya R. Our show is on Facebook at State of the Theory Podcast and on Twitter at Theory Doctors. Our music is provided by the Agrarians and this has been State of the Theory. Thank you. Where would we go?